Thank you, Chuck. Think back to your school days. Do you remember any teachers that were particularly great? You know, the ones that just... It wasn't just that they were teaching their subject, but they really left a mark upon your life in a good way. Their ways of teaching just resonated with you. You didn't just learn the subject, you learned life from that teacher. I'm sure all of us can think back about teachers like that. I mean, if I look back, I can think, yeah, I had some teachers who really weren't good, who did not really aid me in my educational endeavors, but I can think of a few teachers who were just fantastic. I'd seek them out. I'd try to take their classes. Here's the thing. If you, if you can remember those teachers, I bet you also had people who were in those same classes with you. Sitting maybe in the seat right next to you. Listening to the same lesson. Doing the same work. Or maybe not doing the same work. And they just couldn't stand that teacher. Yeah, they were right there with you the entire time. And while you were having this life-changing class, well, let's just say that knowledge has always been chasing them and they have always been faster. There's, there's some students who just aren't going to learn. We might call them immune to education. Great teachers are inspiring. They're wonderful. I shudder to think of where society would be without the best teachers we have. But they can't force every student to learn. Doesn't matter how many times you beat that student about the head with the book, it just isn't going to sink in. And even Jesus didn't win over everybody. We call him the great teacher, yet many, even most who heard him, never, after hearing his lessons, changed a single thing about themselves. They would see Jesus heal the sick, cast out the demons. They would hear him teach, and then they would go home exactly the same person that they left home that morning. This is the substance of what we call the parable of the sower. And that's probably not the best name for this parable. We should probably call it the parable of the soils. Because while the sower does his thing, it's the different locations where the seed lands that really brings the difference in results. And this is one of Jesus' longer parables. It's a little more complex than many of them. To me, it's one of the parables that I really value. And at the same time, you know, not that, not that I don't value all of Jesus' parables, but you know, this one just lands home for me. And at the same time, it reassures me and it troubles me. It's an incredible parable. As Jesus teaches, it, 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 with parables like this, we see just how complex this form of teaching can be. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. 
And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, Hear who has ears to he-, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they were in parables, so that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now Jesus does something right in the middle of this parable that he doesn't do elsewhere. He explains the purpose of the parables. Why he's teaching in stories and parables back then were a very common method of teaching. Jesus was far from the only teacher who used them. But most of the time, they were being used to illustrate a point that had been made. They would make a point and then tell a story about it. But to tell a story without giving the point, that really more conceals the meaning. It's, uh, you know, we're used to the idea of parables. We grow up with them. You, as a kid, did you read Aesop's fables? You know, the ant and the grasshopper, that type of thing, where it's this nice story. And then at the end, the moral of the story. But here Jesus doesn't quite do that. He would tell the, tell the parable to the people. And sometimes he would, later on with his disciples, explain what it meant. Because when he did this, it would mean that only the more interested and motivated learners would discover the truth. The others would just brush it off as something irrelevant. Oh, We came to hear Jesus, and yeah, he's kind of weird because he does really neat stuff, but then he'll tell this weird story, and you don't know what to do with it. So it's like, okay, whatever, Jesus, heal somebody again. Now God, down through the ages, has made a practice of hiding his truth just a bit. He'll kind of conceal it a little bit. Now that truth is evident for those who want to learn. If you're seeking out the things of God, you see something, and you're like, you know, there's a point here. Some, there's something here that means something. I want to know what it is. So you dive into it. You take it apart. You examine it from different angles. You try to figure out what's this mean. But for those who don't care, they just blow right past it. And that's why Jesus references Isaiah here when he says, you know, those who see won't see. Those who hear won't understand. That's a reference to when when Isaiah was commissioned as a prophet. I kind of feel for Isaiah because when God was commissioning him, says, I'm going to send you to talk to my people Israel. You're going to bring my message to them and they're going to see and they're going to not understand a word of it. It's going to be right there in front of their faces, and it's not going to click. 
You're going to tell them, and it's going to go in one ear and right out the other. Well, thanks, God. That's sure what I want to do with my career. I'm going to preach to people. Really? You're going to do great things for the kingdom? Nope, they ain't going to listen. I just kind of wonder if some days Isaiah just wished he'd have driven a chariot. I don't know. What Jesus is saying is that if you are interested in the things of God, you're going to learn the things of God. Those who seek, find. But you got to go looking. If you're not interested, whoop, just going right past you. Whoosh. It's not that God doesn't want people to learn. It's not that Jesus is trying to be difficult. He's encouraging people to be serious about learning. He's not going to beat them over the head with it. And we cannot just pick up the truth of God without investing ourselves. You want to know God? You can't sit back and do it passively, friends. You have got to put yourself into the process. You've got to invest yourself. So if you're interested, it's time to look at the point of this passage. What's going on here? You have a sower and he is scattering seed with wild disregard. I married into a farming family. When I was preparing this sermon, I called my mother-in-law to try and check some stuff. She's been looking forward to this sermon because she's in it in a good way. Beats being in the sermon in an other way. But I tell you, when a farmer is planting, they're careful about where that seed goes. Because when a farmer buys seed, they're not just buying a bag of seed, they're paying per seed. You buy corn seed, you're paying per kernel. Not like it's finger-licking good kernel, I mean the little kernel of corn. And if you're doing that, you're going to make sure where each one of those goes is where you want it to go. This is money. And here you have this sower, and back then they weren't quite as careful. They just take it and go casting it out. And Jesus explains the seed is the word of God. Nice thing about the word of God, you will not exhaust it. There's always more. So the sower can be a little reckless. He can scatter it out in some places where he knows it's not likely to do much. He's just spreading it wherever. And it lands in four places. Three of them are no good at all. The path, the rock, and along weeds and thorns. Crop failure number one happens along the path. Remember, this is the days before nice concrete walkways. Weren't a whole lot of cement trucks or cement donkeys back in the day. But even a dirt path, when it's beaten down by the passage of many feet, it's not a good place for seed. If you have tried to seed your yard for grass, maybe you've got that spot. I, see, I had some nods in first service when I mentioned that spot. Yeah, you, Every homeowner knows that spot in the yard. 
before you're going to put seed there, you've got to break up the soil, don't you? Because if you scatter that seed onto that hard-packed dirt, it won't penetrate. It's going to sit there on top of the ground. Feet will trample it. Birds and other critters will eat it for lunch. And if that happens, no surprise, there will be no crop there. The seed will not even germinate. Sometimes, friends, the message of Christ finds no purchase whatsoever. Just bounces right off. Maybe they're actively hostile to the message of Jesus. Maybe they're just uninterested. The message goes nowhere. They, they are exposed to the gospel. And their response is, whatever. They hear it, and Jesus describes it as the devil taking it away. There's an outsider actively working against it. Now, here's something where we kind of need to recalibrate our thoughts. We get this idea that Satan is comical, wearing the red suit with the pointy tail and the horns. (laughs) Folks, that ain't Satan. That's a joke. Satan is far more dangerous, far more evil than we can imagine. And Jesus describes him also as the father of lies. And sometimes people, we will get a very false idea about Satan because Satan understands exactly what his position is. He rebelled against the Most High. He fell from heaven. He knows exactly who Jesus is. He knows exactly what his destiny is. Satan knows he's going to hell. And he knows he will not be a ruler there. See, one of the lies he'll tell, and sometimes you'll hear people say, I'd rather rule with Satan in hell. Folks, you go down to Potosi, to the maximum security prison there, and you say, I want to visit the worst inmates. Well, they probably won't let you in, but even if you would, they're not running the show. That place exists to punish them. Hell is not Satan's kingdom. Hell is Satan's destiny and punishment. He will not be the warden. He will be an inmate. He will not run the place. It is there he will suffer. And he wants us to have a wrong idea because we'll think it's not going to be that bad. And we will let him just pluck that gospel truth right away from us. You see, Satan wants to do that because he's lost. I don't just mean lost and away from God. I mean he lost the fight. It's already decided. The end of the world, that's not a battle. That's a beat down. Armageddon is not going to be the fight to end all fights. It is going to be where God curb stomps evil once and for all. Satan knows he's lost. And so, now he is engaging in scorched earth tactics. His goal is to make as many people as as he can go to hell with him. To join him in that fall. Join him in that rebellion. Join him in that damnation. And the way he does that 
is by trying to keep people away from Jesus. So if he can yank that seed away from people, well, he is still lost forever. But he's managed to insult God just a little bit by having one of these humans he created suffer with him. That's what he's doing. That's why Jesus refers to him in this way. And the end result here is nothing. Just like if a farmer put a lot of seed out on the road. My in-law's farm. Now, if you're ever out in farm country, if you know farm country, you've got the little farm roads. And you've got the bigger highways from town to town. And then you have kind of what we might call in the city arterial roads, the bigger roads that run between towns. It's not a highway, but it's not a farm road. My in-laws live on one of those. It's a weird street. They call it the Bear Creek. I don't think there have been bears there in, in living memory, and I'm not even sure where the creek is. But they call it the Bear Creek for some... I, I think every farming community has to have a road called the Bear Creek. It's a law, I guess. But there's a lot of truck traffic outside of their house, and if my father-in-law would spread his seed out there on the road, it's going to get crushed by the passing traffic. Sad, but it's exactly what we would expect. And that's what happens with this seed there on the path. But then we come to the rocky soil, which also is a crop failure. Now, you get rocky soil, seed might well germinate there. It's a little bit protected. It might find just enough nutrients to start growing. But that poor soil can't really support the plant. There's not enough nutrients, not enough room for roots. You need to have a good root system, right? The plant needs to get those nutrients. It does that by spreading out the root. And Man, at my house, I live up on the river bluff. I've got about that much topsoil. There's some places in my backyard where it is bare rock. My grass looks fantastic at the end of April, the beginning of May. And then June comes, and the temperature goes up, and it quits raining, and my grass says, see you in October, buddy. What was lush and green becomes yellow and dormant. Why? It's rocky soil. Pretty miserable place to grow stuff. In order to give Lindsay room for a garden, I had to have somebody put in a retaining wall about two feet up and fill it with dirt, because that's the only way we're going to have a place for anything to grow. If you've got really rocky soil, something may start growing, but the moment things get even the slightest bit tough, the sun comes out, the rain gets, you know, stops and it gets a little dry, the plant withers, it dies. And there's no crop here either. It looked good at first, it looked promising at first, and it went exactly nowhere. Jesus describes this as those who are going to fall away in a time of testing. Friends, we are going to be tested. Satan will apply pressure. Life will get rough. God will discipline us. All those things will happen. The one thing I can guarantee you, following Jesus is not a life of roses and beauty. It's going to be difficult at times. Sometimes it will even be absolutely excruciating. You will wish that you could do anything but follow Jesus. But you keep coming back to what Peter said to Jesus. 
Jesus said to him, so you guys leaving too? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? You're the one with the words of life. Do I want to keep following Jesus? Not really. But who else has the words of life? Where am I going to go? There's nothing else. It's this or nothing. So as bad as this is, I'm going to keep going. These folks, they hit that point and they stop. There's a reason, friends, we are continually told in the New Testament time and time again to persevere. Because if we don't, we're the rocky soil. These folks can't handle it. It starts out good. There's no follow through. That initial belief, it's not backed by any perseverance. They fall away. They just don't last long at all. And this type can be really discouraging. You think you've got somebody saved and then all of a sudden they bail on you. They start coming to church with you. They're enthusiastic. They accept Christ. They're baptized. And for a few months, they're right there with you. And then all of a sudden, they haven't been in church for a month, and you call them, oh, yeah, I need to get back there. You don't see them. A few weeks later, you call them again. They let you go to voicemail. You text them. They don't respond. Six months later, you realize they've unfriended you on Facebook. This type's just discouraging because you think you got some. You think, hey, we have got somebody in the kingdom. They're, they're growing. They're becoming more like Christ. And then all of a sudden, poof! No crop here either. In the third area, we come with the thorns and the weeds. Here the, so, the seed lands and there's other plants growing there. The soil supports growth, but the competition will doom the growing crops. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not bad soil. Something's growing there. So the seed takes, it germinates, it comes up. But it ain't the only thing there. Now you see, farmers really don't like to have a lot of different plants in the same field. You drive through central Illinois in July, beans, corn, beans, corn, beans, corn. And never the twain shall meet. Every now and then in a bean field, you get the one volunteer stalk. The, the cheese stands alone. The cheese stands alone. It's kind of what you got out there. But yeah, I mean, they, they want, if, if, if you have something like that, where everything's mixed, nothing's going to produce. Here. The seed falls into a place where things can grow. And it does grow. But before that fruit matures, all of the nutrients are taken by everything else. It's not that the plants can't grow. It's that they will not be productive in that environment. There's too many other unproductive plants. And Jesus says, this is the group. They hear, they believe. But over time, the word of God, it's not as important as other things. He, he describes these competing weeds as cares and riches and pleasures of life. Not necessarily even talking about things that are bad. But when we give them priority over the message of Christ, we find our spiritual lives strangled. There's a lot of things going on out there. 
And if we don't prune things back a bit, there's not going to be enough of us left to go around for the important things. Any of you really technological? Any of you have to do the tech support for the family? You ever get called to go to grandma's or that one aunt's computer and you open it up and there's 1,800 open browser tabs? I don't know why it's running so slow. Because you got 16 different search bars. The proper number is zero. Close a little bit of this and you'll be amazed at how much better it runs. You're choking this poor thing. You can hear the computer, the mouse cable is trying to tap out over there in the corner. The fan's screaming uncle. You know, let's make this a little more technical here for modern day. That's kind of what it becomes. We allow so many other things into our life that it chokes us and we can't do that which we're supposed to be doing. These, th- this, this bunch, they're a little bit different than the previous soil. They last longer. They may not even fall away as far, but there's still no crop. And this group just feels tragic because you have people on a good trajectory. It's not a matter of belief. They're even passing some of the tests and the trials of life. It's that other things become more important to them. And that dooms them. They're not seduced by bad things, but they are seduced by activities and things that may be good. They're just not as important. Yeah, we want to have a good retirement, but if we're working all the time and never take time for Christ, oops. Yeah, we want our kids to have opportunities to be able to do things, but if we spend all our time at kids' sports, oops. Parents, I'm going to meddle a little bit here. The priorities you show your children now are the priorities they will have later. And if you teach them that church is only what we do when there's nothing else to do, friends, that is a bad thing to teach your kids. It may not hurt to have to teach them that church comes before some of this other stuff. It's not that we say no to everything. But what we say yes to cannot be allowed to overcome that which is most important. Each time, it's sad. Each one of these crop failures is a tragedy, but there's one more type. We come to the fruitful believers. This last soil, it's the good soil. And friends, some soil is indeed better than others. My in-law's farm right smack in the middle of central Illinois. Some of the best farmland on planet Earth. You go out there, you pick up that nice dirt, black, loamy soil. I mean, it'll grow anything. You compare that with maybe you go, oh, southern Missouri, one of the river bottoms where the ground, is, the dirt's not black, is red. That hard clay. Yeah, you can grow stuff there. But there's a reason that central Illinois farmland costs way more per acre. So 
Some soil is better than others, and this soil just produces. He describes a hundredfold increase. Now, when I talked to my mother-in-law, I was trying to figure out, well, what kind of increase do they usually get? Well, what I learned is if a farmer only has a hundredfold increase, if they're growing corn, they've just been financially ruined. Because with modern farming, it takes about a third of a bushel to plant an acre. Now, like I said, they buy seed per kernel, and they plant it by the kernel of corn. and That doesn't necessarily translate directly to a given volume, but if you use rules of thumb, I had to look this stuff up. It takes about a third of a bushel to plant an acre. Central Illinois farmland will yield in corn at least 200 bushels an acre. That's pretty good. About a 700-fold increase. Friends, the better, the better the soil, the better the increase. And this happens, Jesus says, when we believe and we obey, we keep on. We're honestly trying to follow Jesus. We may not be perfect, but we're trying. And we bear fruit. Good fruit. God gets his increase out of us. You might think, I don't see how God can get something out of me. Folks, you let God worry about that. He's the farmer. You don't ask the dirt about it. That's why we ought to call this the parable of the soils, not the parable of the sower. Yeah, we might sow in that wool will scatter the seed of the word, but eventually this comes down to us being the dirt. So what was church like? Well, preacher called us dirt. What kind of dirt are we going to be? We're the good dirt. Friends, God will get his increase out of you, I guarantee it. You're not going to ever see the sum total of your impact for Christ in this world. You might be like, man, I only ever brought one person to Jesus. Yeah, no telling what they did. No telling how you contributed to the lives of others. Not every last one of us is a gifted evangelist. It's okay. Don't have to be that way. We talk about, oh, what about Billy Graham? Folks, a few years ago, the Graham crusade came through St. Louis. There's a lot of things going on before Billy Graham ever gets off the jet. All he's doing is running the harvester. While there had been entire teams of people working and cultivating and drawing people closer to Christ, Billy Graham got the credit. There's a ton of people doing the work. And that work is every bit as vital. Friends, what you do for Christ is vital. Doesn't have to be big. Doesn't have to be headlining. But it matters. Because God's going to get his increase. There's four different kinds of soils. Only one of them is any good. There's seed everywhere. But it only produces in one spot. Because finally, it's not the quality of the seed, it's the quality of the soil. Friends, God, God's word is as high quality as we're going to get. It will never pass away. Everything in this world is temporary. Not one bit of it will last. But friends, God's word is eternal. And here's why this parable to me is at the same time reassuring and troubling. It is reassuring to me because, 
Well, sometimes we just take responsibility for too much. When I look at it, I look at it from the viewpoint of a preacher, but this could really be any Christian where we think, man, if I'd have said the right thing, maybe they would have accepted Jesus. If I could have found the right way to get it across to them, maybe they'd have said yes. And we blame ourselves because we couldn't pull it off. Are you as good a teacher as Jesus is? I know I'm not. Jesus is better than Phil. Every time and in every way, Jesus is better than Phil. Guaranteed. And I thank God for that. Man, how bad would it be if I was better than him? Thank you, Jesus, for being better than me. Not everybody followed Jesus when they heard him speak. Why would I think everybody's going to follow Jesus when they hear Phil speak? Not going to happen. Don't feel like you are responsible for all of it. We can reassure ourselves. It's not about the sower, it's about the soil. But here's the troubling thing. When I read this passage, friends, all of these types of dirt have people's names and faces attached. I know these people. And I'm sure you do. If you have served Jesus, if you have worked for him for any length of time, you know these soils. And it hurts. Because you've seen people who have come to Jesus and fallen away quickly. You know people who have served Jesus but just finally couldn't prioritize him. Man, I got names and people coming through my head right now with this. Unfortunately, not everybody will believe. Not all of those who believe will stick with it. But interestingly, we get to pick what kind of soil we're going to be. Yeah, each and every one of us here today, we're a bucket of dirt. And you decide how good a dirt you're going to be. Because when Jesus explains these four soils, each time it comes down to choices made by the person. Whether you ignore Jesus or you're hostile to him. Or maybe you'll persevere or have no perseverance. You decide if you're going to quit. Or maybe you prioritize well or badly. You decide what you're going to spend your time doing. Or being eager and honest in serving Christ. You decide if that's going to be you. At each and every point here, it's the dirt deciding what kind of dirt they want to be. And he says, if those who have ears to hear, let them hear. He says that a lot. Friends, if we're going to pay attention, if we're going to understand the things of God, we've got to have ears to hear. Not just have ears on us. Some of us kind of got ears like corn. You know why you can't say any secrets on, out in a farm? The corn has too many ears. You know what? Corn ain't listening. We call them ears, but they don't hear. How many, how many of us have ears like corn? We're listening, but it's just bouncing right off. It's not going anywhere with us. We're not that interested in the things of God. But how many of us have ears like people? Where we hear, and we want to know more, and we apply ourselves And we seek the things of God, and then we realize, wow, 
I've been the good soil. God has gotten his increase from me. As Jesus teaches this parable, friends, he's trying to tell us something important. It's up to us. We need to be fruitful followers of Jesus. To do that, first you've got to receive the word willingly. Satan is going to try and strip it away from you. When the, when the word is trying to penetrate into you, when it's trying to grow, Satan is going to throw everything he can at you to try and get you to not. Maybe have some folks laugh at you. Oh, you're listening to that Jesus stuff. Ha, 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 ha. Don't let him. Fight him on this one. He can't win if you fight him. And then you stick with it. That word, the seed of God, it germinates in you. And you got to keep going. Things are going to go wrong in life. you gotta, you got to endure. Maybe you're going to see a, somebody that you know, a fellow Christian, they're going to do something boneheaded and hurt you. I'm sorry. None of us are perfect. But you got to remember, you're following Jesus, not following that person. you got to keep on keeping gone. You're going to be tested. The way you fail the test is to quit. If you keep on, you passed. Stick with it. And then you got to prioritize well. As life goes on, you, other things are going to come up, and they're not always necessarily bad things. But you have to say, Jesus matters most of all. If Jesus is second, third, fifth in your life, those thorns and weeds are growing up. There's a lot of good things out there. None of those things are eternal. It's okay to do them. Keep a perspective. Keep them in their place. Yes, I'm trying to save for retirement, so I'm going to work a little more, but I'm going to make sure I still have time to read my Bible and to pray. I'm going to make sure I have time to gather with the saints at church. I'm going to make sure I still can serve. I'm going to draw a line and say this far, this activity may come and no further because this is more important. And when we tend and nurture the word in our lives, then we find a harvest. Not just a harvest of righteousness. Friends, it's a harvest of eternal life. Farmers are happy in October. Combines are running. The harvest is coming in, they're trucking it over to the, to the, to the silo, taking it, putting it in the grain bin, selling it. Oh, they like the, they, they like the fall. Friends, God's going to have his harvest out of us. The day is coming. Don't worry if you're thinking, man, I don't know how God can have a harvest out of me. Hey, if you stick with him, he will. You don't worry about that. You let him worry about that. We're just the dirt. Farmer doesn't worry. Dirt doesn't have to worry. Farmer takes care of it. 
what kind of dirt are you going to be? Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, we, we are grateful to you. For, Lord, you are so very capable. Lord, we pray that we would be the good soil. They would be eager. We would seek. We would make sure that we stick with you. And, Father, we know that you will have your harvest from us. We are grateful that this is the case. We praise you. We know that one day we will be there with you. Father, until that day, keep us. Help us to serve you to be that good soil. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.